Hello, my name is Lee Shellnut, and I'm the pastor of the Huntersville Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church. That's a mouthful, so we affectionately know of ourselves as HARP. We at HARP welcome you to the podcast of our preaching and teaching ministry. We're grateful that you've joined us. If you're encouraged by what you hear, we'd love to have you subscribe. We believe in the power of God's Word, and we love sharing the glorious good news of the Lord Jesus Christ as we preach and teach through the pages of Holy Scripture. So join us now as we open up God's Word. This is the invitation. You may be seated. And as you are, you can either look in the bulletin or you can turn in your Bible to Habakkuk chapter 3. The text printed in the bulletin is only verses 17 through 19, but we're going to back up and we're going to read verse 16 as well. Listen to this. This is God's very word to you. I hear, and my body trembles. My my lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. Yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines. The produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. And he makes me tread on my high places. To the choir master. With stringed instruments. Christ is risen. The word of God for the people of God. When I came up. The things for our family were, were tight. And... We didn't always have a lot. We always had enough. However, I always knew when that pinch of tightness was squeezed a little more so that, so that a dollar had to stretch further. I, I always knew it because I would either wake up or enter into a room and my mother would be working and doing what mothers do. And she would be either humming or softly singing to herself. When I was a child, I I didn't know why. But the older I've gotten, the more I've understood. I've understood that she was either praying her song or she had prayed and now was singing. It strikes home to me as I remember the words of an old professor that I had who would say something like this. He would always say, 
Keep. Keep a prayer in your heart and a song on your lips. Keep a a prayer in your heart and a hymn in your mouth. And, And what we have here at the very end of Habakkuk is just that. We have a a word that is a prayer, but not only is it a prayer, it's a song. The man who's singing it, the man who's praying it, is not the same man that we encountered in chapter 1. He's been changed. He brought, as you will remember, his his turmoil, this struggle that he had as he looked out and he saw people who named God's name and said that they were believers and yet they lived in wickedness and he, he was perplexed by it and he brought it to the Lord. And the Lord said, well, Habakkuk, I am going to do something about it. But the thing I'm going to do You wouldn't believe, even though I'm going to tell you. And then he proceeded to deliver news to Habakkuk that, well, was such news that he says, I hear and my body trembles. My lip quivers. Rottenness has entered my bones. My legs tremble. I I can't even stand for the dread that has come. And so here... Here, after Habakkuk had brought his complaint and he had to wait upon the Lord, and now he's going to respond, how is it going to be? Well, he doesn't break down. Though he says he's close, he doesn't break down. He breaks out. He breaks out in prayer and in song. This was news that shook him to his core. And chapter 3 then depicts for us what it means to live by faith. You'll remember that famous passage that was covered, I think. It's also quoted in the New Testament. But back in chapter 2, Habakkuk is told the just shall live by faith. What does that look like, Habakkuk? And here it is. If you want to know what what the life of faith looks like, it's right here at the end of Habakkuk. And as we wonder what the life of faith looks like, it drives us to this question. What would it take For you to lose faith and walk away. Is it hypocrisy? The the hurt that those who are brothers and sisters can bring to us? Christians can sometimes be downright nasty to each other. Maybe you've experienced that pain. Is that enough to make you walk away? Perhaps it's loss, even great loss, family and loved ones, or or finances, or health. Is that enough to make you throw up your hands and walk away? The, The question really boils down to this. At what point would you say that Jesus is not enough for you?
And Habakkuk here in this passage, as he has heard his complaint set out by God and answered, and he was made to wait, and now he comes to this response, and it all boils down to this. Where will his faith go? Will he walk away? Or will he respond in faith? The Lord is enough. This text then, this text tells us that believers have abiding joy as we understand loss and gain in the life of faith. That's these three verses. Believers have abiding joy as we understand loss and gain. In the life of faith. And we're going to take that up in three points. We're going to see, firstly, the life of faith understands loss. The life of faith understands loss. The life of faith understands gain, secondly. The life of faith understands gain. And lastly, the life of faith brings joy. The life of faith brings joy. So how does the life of faith understand loss? Habakkuk is a book of loss. right? And so I guess what we really need to ask is what, what is loss? Habakkuk has brought a complaint to the Lord and the Lord tells him, Habakkuk, listen, what I am about to do is something that is overwhelming to your mind, but you're going to have to trust me. You're going to have to trust that I really am the God of all of the earth who knows all things, who holds all things together. And no matter what's coming, you're going to have to trust me. And he then unveils to Habakkuk what's about to happen. And it's that the Chaldeans are going to march in and utterly wipe out everything he has ever known and seen. And when we think about loss, a lot of times we, we go, yes, yes, I can, the Lord will bear me up. And what we really think about when we think about loss is small things. A loss of a job, especially small things in light of eternity, a loss of a job, a loss of health, a loss of income. We think that the Lord will bear us up in those. We state that with confidence. We, we also then, we may waver at the loss of loved ones. Those are bigger things. And then, and then we go, yes, the Lord will bear me up. But here in Habakkuk, the question is not can you be borne up in small things, but can you be borne up in the loss of all things? Look at verse 17. What's encompassed there? Think about it. An ancient Near East agrarian who had to grow his own food, who had to make sure he had enough set aside. What is encompassed in verse 17? Though the fig tree 
should not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines. The produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, and the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stall. This is what that army is going to wipe out as they come in. Think about it, the fig tree. How how often is a fig tree referenced in Scripture? How often is it a source of food? You know, don't you? It's a source of food to them. Think about the fruit of the vine. There's, There's wine to sustain, wine that's offered up as a drink offering. They couldn't worship without wine. No produce of the field. There's no grain. There's not even bread going to be left to them. No flock, no milk, no meat. And and you couldn't worship God without meat. You had to bring a sacrifice. This is a total loss. And God has come to Habakkuk and he's saying to me, listen, you must understand loss. And in your loss, you must trust me. And the question for us as we, as we sweep through this text and we look at it and we understand what's being said to him is that are we, are we willing to look at loss in the same way that Habakkuk does? In the same way that all the saints of Scripture do. Again, what will it take for you to lose faith and walk away? At what point is Jesus not enough that you would turn from Him? That's what Habakkuk is addressing. You see, we're we're not promised ease and comfort in this life. Just because we're Christians doesn't mean that we won't face dreadful and fearful things. After all, Jesus said, a servant is not above his master. It doesn't mean that you won't face the loss of all things. As a matter of fact, we must be willing. Think about Job. Job was a believer, wasn't he? What did he lose? And yet, what did he gain? Everything. What Habakkuk is driving you to see and to understand is that as believers, even even if you lose everything, though you have Jehovah, you have all things in Him. What would make Paul a man who by all means was well off probably before his conversion, what would make him go through and endure in such a way that he catalogs for us his shipwrecks, his beatings, his losses, his robberies, and all that he endured? What would make him endure the loss of all things except that there is something greater, something better, For those who believe, and that's why the life of faith must understand loss, but it also must understand gain. I want you to hear me say this. I want it on record. I am a prosperity preacher. But it's not what you're thinking. 
It's that what we gain in Christ is far greater than what we could ever lose in this life. That in Him we gain all the promises. Listen to what He says. He says everything is gone. It's wiped out. This invading army is coming in. They're going to rip down that temple. I won't even be able to worship as I have before. I have nothing to eat. I will be nothing but skin and bones. Then verse 18. Yet. Yet. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me to tread on my high places. What does the life of faith understand about gain? That even though I lose everything, in Christ I have everything. As Habakkuk has come to grips with what God has said, he has come to grips with what loss is and what gain is. And that gain is gloriously summed up for us in that little word yet. It's, it's like the word but. It's a, it's a disjointive conjunction. You didn't come here for grammar, but you're getting it. It's a disjointive conjunction at this point. What is he saying? He's saying everything that has gone before this sentence do away with. Even though I have nothing, yet I have everything in Christ. What's he doing here? He's, he is seeing his loss through the reality of his gain. It's as, a, as an old pastor once said, he said, one moment in heaven shall make us ever ashamed that we ever grumbled. He understands that this light and momentary affliction is nothing in comparison with the glory that is to follow. And that is the understanding of gain that faith has. It's that this life, we can let it go, this mortal life. We can let it go. Because nothing will separate us from the love of of God in Christ Jesus. He stopped looking at the Lord through the size of his problem and he began looking at his problem through the size of his Lord. Or as Lee put it last week, he has replaced the fear, real fear about real things with the greater fear. The fear of the Lord. That is what takes him in and bears him up and sustains him in this. Have you, have you ever read through the scripture and thought about those who go before you? How can Job, in the midst of being ravaged by loss and inflicted with boils and having friends that are pretty much beating him down and having a wife going, give it up. How he could say, though he slay me, yet I will trust him. 
Have you ever wondered about how Abraham, how Abraham, who who was told by God, listen, I'm going to let you inherit all the earth. Abraham, who died with nothing more than a plot to bury himself and his wife in. How Abraham could say that he had all things in the Lord. And so when the Lord comes to him and says, Abraham, give up your son, your only son, the one that you love, Isaac. He was willing Have you ever wondered about Moses brought up in the household of Pharaoh? Wealth unimaginable. He had the run of the country. He could do whatever he wanted. He was the adopted son of Pharaoh. How he could say, you understand that the reproaches of Christ. Now, reproaches, you know, are not the good things. The reproaches of Christ are the, the scornful maligning's, the, the abuse that he would endure, and he would endure it from God's people for 40 years, but, but not just there, but the reproaches that were there in Egypt, he would walk away from it all and say that the reproaches of Christ are greater treasure than anything Egypt can offer. It's because he understands loss and gain. That though he lost everything by the world's standard and in the world's eyes, he gained everything as he wandered as a nomad in the desert for 40 years, living in tents and eating weird wafers that fell from the heavens. How David... As he was pursued by Saul, he would look toward the temple and he would long for the Lord. Oh God, my God, I thirst for you as a weary soul in a parched land. Have you ever wondered how the Apostle Paul would say, listen, I, I'm willing to suffer the loss of all things. Right? You know Philippians. What does he say there? Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ my Lord. For His sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but dung in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith, the righteousness of God that depends on faith, that I may know Him. And the power of His resurrection, I may share in His sufferings. What's lost to you? What's gain? Is all the world compared to Christ dung in your heart? And is Christ your inheritance? Do, do you long for heaven that you might have Jesus? 
that you might be with him. The psalmist would look around in Psalm 73 and he'd say, this world is wicked, but it seems that the wicked get everything that I've asked for. The things that I've wanted, they've gotten, and I don't understand it, Lord. And my feet are nearing the edge. I'm about to slip away. And then the text says, until I went into the sanctuary and I understood their end. And this is what he prays at the end. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon the earth that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Do you understand loss and gain in that way? Because if you do, that brings us to the realization that the life of faith brings joy. Here's Habakkuk at the end of this book. He has been told that everything he has ever known is going to be wiped out, obliterated, done away with. And yet, and yet he's singing. He's got a song in his heart and on his lips. It's his prayer. You don't do that unless you have a deep-seated, abiding joy. That's supernatural. You can't strum it up. We can all put a smile on and fake it and grin and bear it for a couple of hours. But this, this is real deep joy. It says, even, even if I lose everything, I will be brought like the deer into the high places. He's praying and singing. And those two things go well together. So let me say this. If you don't have a hymnal in your home, let me encourage you to buy one. Let me encourage you to buy one because I want you to think about song for a moment. One of the fastest ways that you can learn truth and have it last a lifetime is through song. Think about how many songs you know, they just pop on the radio and mindlessly you start singing. You know those tunes. Thousands, right? You have a song book in your Bible. Get a psalter too. So that in those times of deep darkness, when you don't know the words to pray, you turn to an old familiar one and you, you pray and you say, Lord, make it well with my soul. I don't know what else to say, but I know you know what I mean. You turn to a psalm and you, you know the tune and so you say, Lord, Lord, Help me through this life. You pray and you sing and you sing and you pray and the Lord will bear you up and in those times of, of hardship He will give to you a joy that's indescribable. He will lift you up above the pain. He will lift you up above the danger even if even if things are crumbling around you and you can't get out of that situation, even in the midst of it, He will lift your soul up so that you will travel above it like deer 
in their high places. And he will give you joy. Keep a prayer in your heart. And song on your lips. And so here's Habakkuk. Living a life of faith. Hearing of loss and destruction and pain. And here's Habakkuk responding to loss and suffering and destruction in pain with a prayer and a song. What would it take for you to lose faith and walk away? At what point is Jesus not enough? In Christ you have everything. Even if in this life you lose all things. And so keep a prayer in your heart. And a song on your lips. Let's go to him now. Almighty God, give us hope in Christ. Bear us up that we, that we might tread in high places in the midst of loss. That we might look by faith to our future gain. This we ask in Christ's name.